Welcome to the Around the Keg podcast, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. I'm your host, Whit Barfield, joined as always by my co-host, Matt, and our tech producer, Keys. This week, we finally have college football games back. It is week zero, and we have a lot to talk about. We also have a new alliance in college football, as well as a special guest interview with Georgia fan extraordinaire and host of the Glory UGA podcast, Tyler. Hope you guys enjoy. There are seven days, well, not quite seven, before we have real SEC football. And I could not be more excited. Thursday we got, what, Boise State is playing UCF. Uh, there's a couple other games in there, too. I'd say that's probably the biggest one. Yeah, yeah, for, for the, these first slated games. Uh, I know you're going to you're, the Georgia Clemson. You getting, you getting pumped up? Well, hold on. Let's pump the brakes there real quick. I don't know if I told you this, but now... Week zero, this Saturday, I'm going to the Nebraska-Illinois game. Actually, me and uh, – because, you know, my, my buddy Danny, his his brother works for Nebraska now with Scott Frost. And uh, he texted Danny last weekend and was like, hey, I got four tickets if uh, you want you and some friends want to come up for the game. Because it's like a five-and-a-half-hour drive, so it's nothing like crazy up to Champaign, Illinois. So we're actually going. That's the first football game of college football season. It's the first kickoff at 12 p.m. Eastern time on this Saturday. So I will be at the first college football game of 2021. Matt, can you believe this? He he had tickets and he didn't ask us to go? You know, I I, I can because, you know, I'll be honest. He, he knew not, that I, he knew my tickets. He knew that I he knew that I was a father and I, as a responsible father, I wouldn't be going to Champaign, Illinois for a Illinois Nebraska game. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Hey, you enjoy being a father. I enjoy being a, a a good college football fan. But these are these are not my tickets to give. These are these are Danny's tickets that were given to him by Joey. Um, so we're we're gonna have a good time though. We got a couple. We got two friends from Nashville that will most likely make the journey with us. Uh, it, it's gonna be a good one. I'm uh, somewhat dreading the drive, but I I do think it'll be a lot of fun. We've actually talked about uh, stopping in. Evansville, Indiana, which is on the way. It's probably about three hours from Nashville. And there's a casino there. And one of my buddies actually has like a free night at the casino. So we were talking about going, kind of skipping out of work a little bit early, maybe Friday, um, if the boss will let me, because I'm sure he's listening now. And um, <laughs> and going up to the casino and doing a little gambling and hanging out and, and drink a little bit Friday night. and not, not Nothing too much, because the game's at noon on Saturday and we'd have to wake up and drive another like two and a half hours, three hours or so to get there. So it's, uh, it's, it's going to end up being a full weekend for sure. I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, that's, that's, that's an interesting, an interesting pair of teams though, to be going to a game. Like that's a very random assortment. You don't hear very many people from the South being like, Oh yeah. Excited to go to the Nebraska, Illinois game. No. Yeah. I mean, it's my first big 10 football game and that's part of why I wanted to go to. I've never, I've never watched a football game in the Midwest. I've been to Ohio Stadium at Ohio State. Um, I haven't been inside of it. I've seen the outside of it, and uh, I would have gotten to go in, inside of it if uh, we didn't have some bad things happen to us at the bars beforehand. But I mean, and, and that seems awesome. But you know, I've never seen a game up there. It's going to be really fun to get to check out uh, what the tailgating's like in the Midwest. Uh, a lot of people have said it's a little bit different than the SEC because most people are more into the tailgating scene for NFL teams and like the bears and the, 
um, and the Lions and people like that, they have better tailgates for NFL games than they do for college football games. Where in the South, it's like no one really tailgates for the Falcons games. Like you get some people that do, and there's like a decent crowd, but it's nothing like going to like a Georgia game or going to a Alabama football game or an Auburn game and getting that full experience. That's just uh, it's completely different. Yeah, I imagine it's going to be pretty different, and you know it's. But it'll be interesting. It's also crazy to think about that you were three and a half hours from Champaign. Five and a half. Five oh, and a half. oh, excuse me, excuse me. Still, like five and a half hours to Champaign doesn't sound like it's that far. But like from here, when I think of Illinois, I think like, oh, that's got to be like a 15-hour drive. Yeah, you would think it would be, especially from Nashville too. But um, people don't realize Nashville's like right in the middle of like the south it's like right under the South Midwest kind of kind of tier. Like Kentucky is like kind of right on the teeter because Kentucky and Cincinnati are like so close together, like Northern Kentucky. And Kentucky is not that large of a state, so especially on the um, more on the middle of Kentucky, it's a little bit skinnier. So Nashville is actually a lot closer to. I mean, we're only four hours from Indianapolis. I think it's six and a half hours to Chicago. So like we're we're right in the middle of pretty much everything. That's why that's why I like living here. That's a pretty sweet drive. But then you're going to Georgia-Clemson the following weekend. Yes, and then the following weekend – oh, I didn't think I was – I forgot I was doing two travel weekends in a row. I'll be going to Charlotte, which is a a six-and-a-half-hour drive uh, with my brother, going to check out the Georgia-Clemson game. Uh, Super excited for it. It's going to be a fun one. we got a good crew that's meeting us down there now. Uh, A couple of friends of my brothers are going to – Come tag along, and so we'll have a good little Georgia fan base hanging out. Uh, it, it, it'll be a blast. This will for sure be the largest Georgia football game I've ever been to. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I, know, I know I've talked about it a couple of times, but I've been, I'm, I'm going to the Ole Miss game on Monday because I get student tickets, which means student prices. So for me to sit like six rows up from the field, is 175 bucks, Not that bad. So, you know, I, obviously Alabama's playing there on Saturday, Mercedes-Benz, and I was like, all right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a pulse on what this game really is selling for secondary market. So I'm in a Facebook group, you know, like all middle-aged men are, that it, it does like, they do raffles and they do like tickets and stuff like that just to kind of, uh, like of memorabilia. It, it's pretty cool, like if a, if a guy comes across, like, a, a couple autographs, like, he'll raffle one off, and, I mean, he makes some money, so, whatever. Now, it started off as a ticket exchange group, and then it's, like, slowly morphed into this. So, I've been a part of it for probably about, I would say, six or seven years now, since I was, like, all right, I've got the money to actually, like, get into ticket exchange group, and the tickets for this Alabama My Game game are ridiculous. And like, I know that Alabama brings a, a big market and, and Miami's a big brand, but we're talking about literally, I paid 175, six rows up from, from the field for Ole Miss for secondary market tickets in this group in which people are like, Oh, I'm cutting you a deal. 225 for nosebleeds. Mm. Like that is, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. 225. For nosebleeds, and I know Mercedes Benz is like not a bad seat, but I'm not paying two hundred twenty five dollars to sit in the nosebleeds when I can watch it on my perfectly good sixty inch television. Yeah, well, I I just spent more than that to sit in the nosebleeds of the Georgia Clemson game, but honestly, have to have to buy for that for me. 
was just going to Charlotte in general and getting to go downtown and and uh, we ended up we were staying a little bit outside of the city, so the hotel is not as bad too. So it's uh it's it's a dent in the pocket, but it's gonna be fun. But that's a bigger game too. I mean, you're talking about two preseason playoff contenders. Miami yeah, is a top five, five matchup. matchup. Like yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you've got you that's a top five matchup. It's gonna be expensive to go to a top five matchup. Alabama Miami is a top twenty five matchup, and it's expensive to go to those, but it, it shouldn't be that expensive. No, no, it shouldn't, especially in a neutral site game. I mean, in Atlanta, honestly, I feel like tickets are usually cheaper when it's not the SEC Championship or the Peach Bowl. Um, I mean, like when they have other bowl games and they have the like Chick-fil-A kickoff games and stuff like that, I feel like it's it's very rare for it to be just like unreal expensive. But you know, when Alabama comes to town, man, it's first game of the season. People are going to show up. The big, the, you mentioned that uh, Georgia Clemson is the biggest SEC game you've been to, or the biggest Georgia game you've been to. I went to the SEC championship uh, a few years ago, and those tickets, I paid two twenty five for those tickets, and it was like the second level, not not field level, but not also not nosebleeds. I paid two twenty five for those tickets, and and they want me to pay the same thing to sit in the nosebleeds at Mercedes Benz. Like they have lost their minds for a Miami game. What what SEC championship was that, man? It was twenty sixteen uh, Alabama Florida. Florida, yeah, that's when you know Florida wasn't super good that year, but but still, I mean, you would think a SEC championship would be more expensive than going to Florida Alabama Miami game, first game of the season. But you know how you know how college football likes to hype things up early on and get it to where it's just a little more expensive than it should be. For sure, I, I think some of it has to do with Mercedes Benz, though. Because that that game was in the old Georgia Dome, and so the Georgia Dome was cheaper. But and like since they've done these premier seat licenses or whatever for like if you when you're a Falcon season ticket holder, you're not just the season ticket holder for the Falcons. You own that seat, like in general. So you get first dibs, face value for all tickets. So it kind of creates a secondary market. But I thought the Chick Fil A kickoff game was like one of those events that your PSL didn't didn't apply to because they're pulling in so many different teams that, and they don't want to limit the amount of tickets that they get to the universities and stuff like that. I mean, obviously my Ole Miss tickets are cheaper just because I'm a student there. But even when I look at the secondary market for them, it's it's still like I could, I could almost sit like in the club seats right there at field level for what Alabama nosebleed seats are going for, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that that's really insane. And I mean, honestly, I'm just ready for college football season to start. I know we get week zero this week. There's some good games on. We got Nebraska, Illinois. I mean, that's not a huge game, but Nebraska, I mean, you never know. Scott Frost might finally take that turn with the team. Uh, they got a pretty good GA there now who's uh, helping out with the defense. I'm not going to name his name, but uh, he's he's uh, hooking us up with tickets this weekend too. But um, And then Hawaii, UCLA, I think that's one of the other games too. That that could be end up being a pretty good game. UCLA, you know, they've kind of been on a – downturn here lately they might turn it around with chip kelly and hawaii is usually pretty decent so we we could get some good games this weekend oh definitely and if you know if you've ever listened to this podcast you know that i am an avid fan of hawaii football like that is that is my favorite pastime is is watching hawaii football it it, and especially late at night so obviously it's not going to be super super late but i i think that that has a lot of potential to be a good game chip kelly is I think this is his make or break year with UCLA. Um, you know, he's, I wouldn't say he's on the hot seat for sure, but he's definitely not 
sitting there. Uh, he, he's uncomfortable, I'm, I'm sure, coming into the year. And he knows that there's some pressure on him to win. But you mentioned you're going to – so you're going to a Big Ten game. And then today it's announced, it's official, that the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12 have all created now this new alliance and, and kind of in response to what the SEC did by adding Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, have you read anything about this? I was talking to a friend of mine this weekend. He was a big Ohio State fan. And we were just talking about like, because I, I thought this meant that the three conferences would come together and create one big super conference once the SEC brings over Oklahoma and Texas. Just so they can, so, cause, cause the way that things are going, it looks like there's going to be like a super conference kind of deal. But apparently it's not so much that. It's more so kind of what like Notre Dame has with the ACC, where they're not one together. They're just helping each other out with like different kind of TV deals. They're helping each out, helping each other out with scheduling. So like they'll schedule each other before they schedule an SEC team specifically. And the Big 12 will be gone by the time this becomes official or the, the top, by the time this actually starts happening, I guarantee you. Um, and they've talked about they, they think the Big 12 is going to stick around. And the Big 10 commissioner said, like, oh, the Big 12 will figure it out. They'll, they'll be right up there with us and everything. And obviously, I mean, this move right here just pretty much tells you, Big 12, you're pretty much done, man. Like, if, if you're even going to stay a conference, you're not going to be a Power 5 conference anymore. It's going to be a Group of 5 conference kind of deal. But uh, I'm real interested to see what happens with it. Like, just if it's going to be, if they do end up forming a new conference altogether, which I think the Big Ten, pride-wise, it's just not going to happen. Um, I can see maybe the Big Ten adding a couple teams and then the Pac-12 and ACC forming together, even though they're on completely different sides of the country. But it'll be uh, it'll be interesting for sure. So, I've I've read a little bit about it because I saw this news break and I was like, I thought the same thing as you, like, holy crap, this is basically a merger. But from everything I've read, just like what you were talking about, it's it's a lot very similar to what Notre Dame kind of had with the ACC already. I think a little bit of this is a little bit of a slap in the face of the SEC because, you know, these are, the, these are three conferences that, you know, while obviously the SEC is the biggest, these are the three next biggest, the Big Ten being the second biggest, the ACC being the third biggest, and then the Pac-12 has kind of just been floating there. Um, I, I really, really think that this never would have happened if Texas and Oklahoma didn't join the SEC. I think that, it, it, that things kind of would have just continued on as they were. The other thing that I've noticed uh, that I read was that through this alliance, they are wanting to slow down the timeline of expanding the playoff. So they're they're saying, look, we're going to do this alliance. We're going to start scheduling more Power Five games against each other, and it's going to take a lot of these uh, teams basically having their own. They're going to have their own like small playoff system, which prevents the college football playoff from expanding it. That's kind of what they're. They, it seems like, and I think that that's really just a slap in the face again to the SEC because the SEC was like, all right, well. We're going to go ahead and get ahead of the changing lane, landscape of college football by adding the, in my opinion, and, and overall the, the biggest money-grabbing brand in Texas, and then another, the second biggest money-grabbing brand in the Big 12, but another big money-grab, top, probably a top-10 brand, top-five brand in college football right now at least, 
in Oklahoma. And, I mean, that it seemed like the SEC was trying to be on the fr- forefront, and now they're kind of looking like they might be on the back end of this a little bit, just from what I've seen. But, yeah, Matt, I mean, it's an arms race right now, man. The Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC was like the first – that's like the shot heard around the world. That was the first fire – that was the start of the war. That's saying like, hey, the SEC is coming for you and we're going to take all the money. And so, that I mean, that's why the Pac-12 and ACC and Big Ten did it. Like, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I'd do the same thing if I were them. And honestly, how you were saying it, like they were talking about that it would stop the playoff from expanding or at least slow it down. I think that could be a really good thing for college football. If they could do more of a – instead of having a 12-team playoff, do more – of the better teams play each other every year. Like you have Ohio State playing Oregon and, and uh, you know, Clemson and, and all of them playing during the regular season instead of having to wait until the playoff. I think you'd see more of that. Like the reason they're moving to a 12-team playoff in the first place is because they want to see more teams in it. They don't want to see Clemson, Alabama, um, Ohio State, Oklahoma, this those same four teams in every single year. They want to see different teams get in there, which we've seen Georgia make it. We've seen Florida State, Oregon, whatever. But it's it's pretty rare for a team. It's it's a surprise when a team like that makes it. That's not one of those four specifically. Those are the odds-on favorites every single year. So if you make it to where you're getting these playoff matchups in the regular season, which is what the four-team playoff was made to do anyway, and I think that's what we've been moving towards. And more and more and more, you see these matchups like Georgia Clemson every single year because you got to get the you got to get these big wins so the playoff committee looks at you, and if you have a loss or two losses or whatever, they look and go, well, at least they beat Clemson. At least they beat Miami week one, whatever. These Those are big wins. Um, so I think if we get more of that, we get more of these bigger matchups happening in the regular season and less teams getting into the actual playoff, I think it'll be much healthier for college football moving forward. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and, and the the I think the verbiage that I read was that all three of these – conferences prefer a more conservative old school approach to uh the the college football game and and college athletics and i actually appreciate that i mean and i've been someone who's been against the the texas oklahoma into into the sec this whole time because i felt like it's just kind of ruining college sports for being what it is and so i really appreciate what they're doing and i honestly think that by those three conferences, the other three major conferences, instead of them saying, hey, let me see how I can get mine, they're saying, let's let's keep this thing together. Let's stay reminded and grounded why we're here. This is college sports. This is not the NFL. I actually appreciate what they're doing in that regard. Now, the other thing is, and we've been talking about this, we've talked about this a lot, is by adding Oklahoma and Texas, the SEC is now loaded. Do we see the SEC, in response to this, go to a 10-game SEC schedule every year now to where it's like, hey, well, we're just going to play in-conference, in and then maybe you get the in-state rivals like the Georgia-Georgia Tech, the Florida-Florida State, things like that, and then maybe one other game, but it's a it's a non-con and, and it's a Big Ten or ACC matchup? Do you think that you could see the SEC doing that? Or with the ACC doing this, do you think that that's going to – leave out the Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, South Carolina, Clemson rivalries? I think those rivalries will all stay intact, but I do think it's going to make us lose the games like the Georgia Clemsons, like the Clemson-Notre Dames, assuming that Notre Dame doesn't join the ACC, like these bigger matchups. 
that are in the regular season that are we'll see it for like Pac-12, ACC, Big Ten, but we won't see like SEC teams playing big Big Ten teams or Pac-12 teams or ACC teams during the regular season. It'll have to be something you wait for the playoff to see, which honestly, um, that's one thing I'm not a big fan of, but, and I know I'll get a lot of hate for saying this, in the SEC, if you play a 10-game SEC schedule and have that rotation where you're playing more than just two teams from the East or the West every single year, you're going to get those big matchups anyway, because that's the SEC has more of those big teams than any other conference does. So, which is why it makes a lot more sense that those three conferences are the ones that are combined together, and the SEC is the one that's kind of on the outside looking in, going, "Well, I got all these, I got all these superpowers anyway. I don't need to add all of your other superpowers." So, I, I think that'll be the biggest loss is losing those SEC non-conference bigger games, but not as much as the rivalries. I think that, like Georgia, Georgia Tech, I think that'll stay put. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying poor old SEC because they're still going to be rolling in the dough. But I think you, oh, yeah. you you brought up a team that I think this is going to benefit the most, and that's that's Notre Dame because they do have that alliance still in place with the ACC because they're gonna they're gonna be an ACC school for every sport not named football. But now they've always, at least in my opinion, I always saw Notre Dame as a Big Ten team. Regionally, they fit the Big Ten. The school feel, like the prestige of the university, they fit the Big Ten. I've always thought that Notre Dame fit that mold. And so now they kind of get the best of both worlds. Plus, they get to keep their rivalry with USC, which is one of their top games every year. So they keep the USC game. They add back the Michigan game, which was a huge rivalry for a long time. They haven't played that in a couple years, I don't think. Maybe they still play it every now and then, but I, I don't remember seeing the hype at least around it. But they keep USC, they keep Michigan, you add in an Ohio State, and then you keep the Clemson, Florida State, Notre Dame games. And and, and to me, that's Notre Dame is going to benefit the most because they're going to have the most marquee matchups out of any of those teams year in and year out. Yeah, I mean, that's assuming that Notre Dame does join the ACC and becomes part of that conference, or, or is at least a part of that conversation. Because the three conferences that anybody would have put uh, Notre Dame in would have been the three that just combined together. Those are where all their rivals are. Matt, you're completely right. Um, I don't really know if I think Notre Dame is going to join the ACC, though. I mean, I think it'd be in their best interest to do so. But they are so dang prideful, and they they want to they don't like sharing that kind of revenue. Now I know maybe last year they kind of had to do it with the ACC. I'm not really sure what their agreement was there. But they can still, I mean, if they stay independent, they can still schedule whoever they want. So that, even with all these teams coming together, they might even want to do that even more just because if they are in that alliance, that new alliance just formed, they're not going to be able to schedule the Georgias. They're not going to be able to schedule the Alabamas or, I mean, not that they would want to schedule Alabama, but like the regular season games where they can bring an SEC team to Notre Dame or go to an SEC um, road game experience that so uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Notre Dame handles it for sure yeah that's Notre Dame's always been that very prideful but I think more of it is their their TV deal with NBC than anything you know they get they get 100% oh, yeah. of that revenue and I mean you, you, you can't knock them for that but um I, I don't know it'll be interesting to, to to see how that shakes out of course if I'm this new alliance I'm going to CBS Fox and NBC and going hey ESPN and the SEC, they're locked together. Let's make it to where if you want to watch 
an SEC game, you got to go to ESPN and we'll take over. We'll have all of our biggest games on your networks. We'll each have each week. We'll have, I mean, they. I don't, I don't know how they would do it with the three conferences, but like the biggest non-conference game of the week could be like on NBC. I feel like that would bring in a lot of revenue, even if Notre Dame does join the ACC. Cause NBC to me, I think NBC has the best broadcasters. They're usually, I mean, when you talk about Notre Dame games, when you talk about NFL football games, they're always way better done than, uh, it's a, it's a way better experience than watching CBS or watching Fox, um, or even ESPN, honestly. I mean, I think honestly, sometimes besides the game of the week, ESPN kind of struggles to do super well. Um, they just, they're just the big name in sports. So they kind of just get whatever they want. Yeah, ABC will be locked into that SEC deal because they're owned by ESPN. Yeah. But yep. CBS, I could see, I could definitely see CBS pulling in on that deal because they're losing the SEC, and and they'll just keep on rolling with the three thirty game. And you know, I mean, a, a three thirty matchup between you know Clemson and Ohio State is not going to do much worse than a three thirty Florida. Tennessee or Florida, Georgia, like those, those numbers are going to stay pumped up. And I mean, those are some matchups that we, we could, I would love to see year in and year out, but I don't know, man, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see the landscape of college football five years from now. It will be really interesting to see how often they put those matchups together too. like a, like, I feel like Clemson, Ohio state, as much as that would bring a lot of revenue for that one game. And that would be like a huge, huge, huge regular season game. And uh, like for a TV deal, that's massive. But if you're the ACC, if you're the Big Ten, those are your only top teams. That's it. So if you play them up against each other, that is real bad for the Alliance. Because if one of them goes down, that's it. They're not. They're not going to play that game, and both of them make the playoff. They could, but I don't really see it happening. Just because both the schedules. I mean, maybe you know down the line, Michigan gets better. Michigan State comes back. Um, you know, some of these teams in the Big Ten, Penn State starts to play better. They start to pick it up. So Ohio State, a one loss Ohio State doesn't look as bad as it would in what I think will be this year. And same with Clemson. But as of now, I mean, if you have a one loss team, I mean, you could see somebody like Cincinnati going defeated this year, or um, or even Oregon going defeated in the Pac-12 and end up passing one of them just because of how um, not strong the schedule is going to be. Yeah, and. In reality, we're going to see Rutgers-Clemson a lot more than we'll see Ohio State-Clemson or Iowa-Clemson. Not that Iowa's a terrible team, but they're not Ohio State, you know. And it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out for those brands. But I definitely think it was a smart move for them in the in the aspect of this. This is going to be this is their way of competing with recruiting. This is their way of continuing to be strong brands across the board. And overall, I think it's going to be good for college football because it's going to, they want to take that more collegiate athlete approach to it rather than professional athlete approach to it, which I appreciate just because I don't love the, the, the whole idea that we're treating these collegiate athletes like they're professional athletes already. Uh, you know, it's not like they can have a career at Alabama. They have three years if they're really good. Max. So if, you know, you, you have guys like, you know, Devontae Smith, who stayed a fourth year, that's awesome. That's really cool. But guess what? That's rare. You know, and Najee Harris, guys that stay an extra year, that's rare. Now that they're going to make money, maybe that'll happen a little bit more just because they don't have to worry so much. Like, they can focus more on draft status and draft stock than, than going and getting that paycheck. 
because they're going to be getting their NIL deals. But I still think that having that focus on being a collegiate athlete is super important. And, and it keeps that sanctity and tradition alive, which is why, you know, we fell in love with college football in the first place. All right. Well, we have a special guest for you guys today. We have Tyler from the Glory UGA podcast, one of my favorite podcasts. I've been listening to it for years now. He's really knowledgeable with his University of Georgia sports. Uh, it's just unbelievable. So we're going to go ahead and jump into that interview. Hope you guys enjoy. Hey, how's it going, Tyler? Good, man. How you doing, Wit? Doing good, man. Awesome. I, I, just listened me, to, I just listened to your new episode earlier today. I feel like I've already talked to you today. I know. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening, buddy. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. One of my one of my favorites for sure. I've been listening for, let's see, when I, I started listening. I feel like you've been with us for a while, like close to the beginning. Because if, yeah. if, if it was 2015, is that our first season? 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, I think that was our first year. It was when y'all were on the, they had like the UGA radio podcast. Yeah, the Dog app. Sports Radio. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I listened to it on. Oh, yeah, man. Long oh, time yeah. ago. That was, that was, it was good while it lasted. Then it got really bad there towards the end. But <laughs> we kind of like just dissolved randomly all of a sudden. Actually, not so randomly. We kind of saw it coming, but happened real fast. See, I didn't even know what happened to it. The only way that I knew that it even dissolved was because I was listening to y'all's podcast. And I couldn't <laughs> find it on the on the app. Or the app like completely deleted or whatever, and I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah. So I went and found. Um, I think you tweeted or something that y'all were on the was it Stitching app or whatever. The yeah, we home. yeah we started putting ours after that because we for a while we were kind of just on that, and it was like, "Well, okay, I think we've got to kind of expand here a little bit." So yeah, we went on like anything that we could find, Stitcher, whatever we could find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we found yeah. out like honestly like a week before it just went under like oh okay cool <laughs> and it was like right before the season started too like i mean i was on vacation late july and i was like oh so we've got like a month to tell everyone where to go who are y'all yeah, with it was, now it was tough. uh ac sports formerly known as overtime media yeah AC sports gotcha yeah I, yeah i remember y'all say overtime media every yeah so they got the whole new intro for you guys yeah they they hooked us up man <laughs> they kind of just hit us up out of the blue uh i think this is going our third year with them now yeah so they kind of hit us up out of the blue one day, and then when they're starting up, and we're like, yeah, we'll give it a shot. And it's it's worked out really well. Got us off the whole Podbean thing, which was what we were hoping for. Podbean, yeah. That's what that's what I was listening to it on. Yeah. Podbean, yep. Podbean, I, I that was um, – God, that's – I hate it. I just – God, that, that it was about a year. And that was just about survival, which is, okay, we just got to survive. <laughs> and then hopefully something will, will happen, and we'll get a new partnership. And we were kind of in the market before that season – um, it's about three years ago now, and we were talking to a couple different people. Then overtime hit us up, and we were like, "Okay, you guys sound like you're you have a little bit more together than some of these other people." So there you go. Yeah, we we uh, kind of just do our own thing right now. We've I mean we've been going for probably about a year or so. Is that right? Yeah, we just we just hit a year, which is which is crazy. Like it just started as a little fun gig, and we've all had a blast doing it. Same here, man. We picked the worst know, year to start doing a like, podcast, but. Yeah, I remember when you you were telling me about that. I think you DM me. Yeah, it was about a year ago, I guess, and and let me know that you had started the podcast. So that's awesome. It's fun though, right? Oh, it's so much fun. Yeah, it's like it's, yeah. in those early years, you're kind of just growing. You're kind of like just trying to like figure out what your identity is and what kind of podcast you're going to be. Is uh, those are fun years, man. Kind of miss. I mean, I love what we do now. Like we've got things. I don't want to say rolling, but like more so than we did when we first started. But uh, it was fun, kind of just that adventure of. 
rolling it out, not knowing if anyone would care. And then I remember having like, we have like 50 people. I was like, oh my God, hell yes. 50 people are listening to our podcast. That's and, exactly uh, how we were. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. man. I was like, oh my, first I was like, what? There's one person, one person listened. And it just kind of kept going and going and going like anything. And not that we get like a ton of listeners, but more than, more than we used to, more than when we started. Uh, I was just going to say, I remember the first time that we like looked at our listeners and it was like, like, I want to say it was like 75. And I was like, there are 75 people in this world that listen to us talk about sports. That is the coolest thing. Honestly, I just like talking Georgia sports. Like if anyone's listening, that's just like gravy to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, Tyler, you, I, I, I told these guys before, you are the king of talking. You talk faster <laughs> and more than any podcast host I've ever heard in my whole life. Honestly, I love it. That's part of why I like it so much. Because you're good I appreciate at talking. It. I, mean, I do try to fix it. It's like, you know, I got... I got a lot going on, different things. Like I got to get to a tennis lesson here in a little bit. So like when I'm on, I usually have a short window, and it's like I got to fit in as much as I can in this short window. Yeah. You do a good and I know job. Some yeah. people, it's like, oh my god, slow down, dude. But I just got to get it out, man. And then I and then I enjoy it, and then like when I enjoy something, I start talking really fast. So it's kind of just all that together. So it keeps you me on that. keeps me tuned in when you do that because then I'm like. Oh, I, I I might miss something because he talks so freaking fast. So if I I better make sure I listen to every single thing he says because some of the ones that talk a little bit slower, you kind of just drown out. Yeah, yeah for sure, man. I, I get that. But yeah, I, I'm glad that you like things. I know I'm sure some people are like, dude, just chill out, man. Like, calm down. I was gonna mm-hmm. ask you. So you're, I mean, you're the biggest Georgia football fan I know, and I, I mean, you can ask <laughs> these guys. They they always make fun of me because they always say, and I know like the recruits three years down the roads dogs names and stuff like that but right, I, right, I, right. I always tell them like man y'all need to listen to glory uga podcast because <laughs> i appreciate it buddy <laughs> this guy watches tape more than anybody i know but um so what what made you really fall in love with georgia football well growing up in the state number one I, i'm born and bred in state of georgia i've i've been fortunate enough that i've gotten older to like travel around different places and do different things but georgia always has been always will be home to me and so when you grow up in the state I don't know where you guys are. I think you guys are from Georgia, right? We're all so from you, Georgia, uh, yeah. yeah. So you know it is. Like it's just it's kind of in your blood. And like there's that weird, strange group that we don't acknowledge that for some small reason ends up being tech fans from the state, but that's a very, very small group. I was fortunately not one of those. So for me, it was all dog from day one. And then of course when you go when you when you go to UGA, you know, it's it's a totally different vibe. Like, it's, it's, there's one thing like growing up a fan, you know, and but then once you go to the school. It's like you feel like now like you are one of of them, right? You know, so it kind of just reinforced all that. And um, yeah, I've always been a big football guy since, God, as early as I can remember. My dad, he signed me up when I was five years old in the GFL, the old Gwinnett Football League. And uh, so for me, it's growing up in the state, you can't help but love the dog, especially if you're a, a guy and you love, and you play football like I did from the very beginning. So it's kind of like the, the perfect match there. I had the passion for football, I had the passion for Georgia. So put together and all dog. Oh, disclaimer, Tyler. Uh, I I am actually not a Georgia fan. <laughs> um, okay. Is, okay. Is, 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 as sad as that may be for for y'all to hear, um, but I, I am a big SEC fan. Uh, my family has corrupted me. I'm an I'm an Alabama fan. I'm very sorry. Okay, that's um, okay. It's okay. But uh, but yeah, but but it's it, but it, it's 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 really cool. I, I enjoy. Uh, and appreciate SEC football, and and obviously, you know Kirby Smart went to is now at Georgia. But you know, as, as an outsider and an SEC football fan, give me some some things to look for Georgia this year. What what are we going to look like, or what are they going to look like? Uh, hey, you want to be a Georgia know. fan? I heard a Freudian slip there. You know it. 
<laughs> just kidding, man. Just kidding. No, you're, you're living the good life as an Alabama fan. I wouldn't want to switch if I was you. Uh, what, so, all right, some things to look for. Um, is To me, it all comes down to quarterback play, right? Is Georgia finally going to have that elite quarterback? I think we saw signs of that from JT Daniels last year. But there were also like, you know, I, we've been so starved, like elite quarterback play here in Athens that, I you know, looking back at what happened last year, in, in some way, at least to some degree, it's almost as though like, you, you can at least make the argument that maybe we were kind of exaggerating how good JT was down the stretch because we've just been so starved for quarterback. Because now there were a lot of great things. First 400 yard passer in, in uh, the Kirby Smart era against Mississippi State. We saw the field open up. We started to push the ball more vertically down the field under him. And then, of course, just offensive numbers across the board just increased dramatically, almost instantly once he was thrown into the into the, um, into the fold there. Now, we were playing, you know, Mississippi State, who was who barely was able to even play that game with some COVID issues. South Carolina was a train wreck by that time. Cincinnati was a really good team. That's a good defense, but they were missing some players. So who is the real JT Daniels? Is he that guy that we all, as Georgia fans, really hope he is? Or is he just another good quarterback? Because, like, we've had some good quarterbacks. You guys, I mean, I've if you've listened to the show, you know, for a long time there, I was the president of the Jake Fromm fan club. I thought he got way too much heat. It wasn't an elite quarterback, but come on. I mean, I, he did some really good things for us. But, he, I mean, Jake, even as the president of the Jake Fromm fan club, I can tell you, he wasn't an elite quarterback. He was a really good quarterback. I think better than a lot of people gave him credit for. But he was no more than than good. Um Going back to the 2015 season, I don't even know if we had good quarterback play in 2015. And you got 2016, you got Jacob Eason, which for a freshman was okay-ish, good. Uh, I think you go back to the Aaron Murray years, and I think I think Aaron was a borderline elite quarterback, if not elite. But it's been really since the 2012-2013 season since we've had a guy like that. So we've got all the pieces that we need. We know we've been recruiting at a, at a level that we've always recruited well, even under Mark Rick, but at a level that we haven't really been recruiting at consistently as a program under Kirby Smart, been right up there, even with Alabama. So we have the talent. We have, we know we have the defense. We've got the running backs. I think we, I think we have some receivers. That's another position to watch. Really just the passing game in general. If you want to take it and kind of extrapolate beyond just JT Daniels, the passing game, obviously we've lost uh, George Pickens, but we've got a, a bunch of young receivers who we are very high on. It's, it's, in, a, in, a, in a way, it's similar to what we're looking at with JT. Are these guys who we think they are going to be? Is Jermaine Burton ready to become an elite receiver? I think there's a good chance, but we don't know that yet. Marcus Rosemey Jackson, is he ready to take that step coming off the injury? I hope so. I think so, but we don't know. Arian Smith, we know he has world-class speed. I mean, that's a slight exaggeration. Really, really, really good speed. Um, but is he ready to become like a full, uh, like a full-time legit receiver doing all the things receivers have to do? Spend a lot of time with the track team in the, in the spring and in the early parts of the summer. Is, is he ready to take that next step? So that's what I'm looking at uh, as a Georgia fan. Are we ready to take that next step offensively? That's quarterback, receiver, offensive line. I think we're going to be okay. I still have some questions. There are going to be some new faces, but I think that we know what we have defensively. Uh, of course, everyone wants to point to the, the, uh, concerns in the secondary and I put that in air quotes because I'm not as concerned as some people are I think the transfers of Darian Kendrick and Tyke Smith of course a Tyke Smith injury kind of throws a wrench into those plans but I think that really kind of solidified us to a large degree we really have one spot where, where we have somebody that's got basically no experience that's the cornerback there opposite Darian Kendrick 
which is uh, certainly a little bit of concern there, but it's probably looking like it right now. It's going to be Keely Ringo who's a former top five player overall. I missed all of last year with a labrum injury. had to have surgery. There's some experience there, so there's going to be some concern, but I'm not as concerned about that position or that part of the defense as, as other people are. So I think we're good defensively. Got a ton of depth there, as much depth as anybody, as much quality depth as anybody. It's just all about the offense. Can we take that next step? We'll see. And you you mentioned the receivers. So who, if you if you're Kirby today, you know, give me one receiver that you're really excited about seeing this year, especially with Eric Gilbert. You know, he's had he's got some issues going on, so yeah. he's not there right now. Which you know, it, it, you hate to see it with a guy that's as crazy talented as he is. So what's a receiver that you're, you're you think is you know one of those guys that you are expecting a lot from? I think the I think if you ask most Georgia fans that question, it's a great question. Appreciate it, man. Uh, but most Georgia fans, I think, would probably say Jermaine Burton. He was a starter as a true freshman last year. Had some ups and downs. Came really, really close to breaking the single-game receiving record against Mississippi State. Probably could have if he played a little bit more in the fourth quarter. But over, had over 200 yards, in that game was very, very close. I think he's a good candidate there. He, it probably will be him. But the guy that I'm really excited about right now is Marcus Rosemead Jack Saint. He's a guy coming out of high school, out of Florida, that I was extraordinarily high on. I think the guy has a ceiling that's just off the charts. And we started to see him come on towards the middle of last year. Pickens was dealing with a little bit of an injury in the middle of the portion of the season last year. And Rosemary Jack Saint was really getting a lot of reps in that in that situation. He had a touchdown catch against Florida where his, I mean, his leg basically fell off, it looked like. It was just terrible. And he was out for the rest of the season. Um, but he's come back, apparently, from what I'm told, he's 100% full go right now. He's doing great things in fall camp. I think he's the guy... That can like there's once George went down, the question was who's going to replace George Pickens. I think a lot of people instantly turned to Jermaine Burton as he was the other starter last year, but he played Z, and I I think Burton can be a number one alpha X receiver, but I think he might be a more natural Z. I don't know if he's got the physicality to be the X receiver over there. I'm I think that Marcus Rosemary Jackson gives us more of what George Pickens was able to give us in terms of his ability to go up there and high point the ball, win those contested 50-50 balls. And that's what we need. We need somebody that can give us what George gave us. Because, like, we have – like, George is a really good receiver. What George had a lot of things he had to work on himself. He was still growing as a receiver. The one thing that he was elite at was just attacking the ball in the air and just winning those contested balls. And I think Rosemead Jackson can be that guy for us. He's got the athleticism. He's got the physicality. He's got the strong hands. He's got that leaping ability. He's got the body control. So he's the guy that I don't know if as many people are talking about right now because he didn't have the season that Burton had. He didn't start right off the bat because he was behind Pickens at X. But he showed me some signs. I love what I saw from him coming out of high school. It looks like he's healthy. He's kind of flying on the radar right now. But I think pretty early on this season, a lot of people are going to figure out who this guy is. Yeah, dude, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, Jack Saint coming into last year, he I thought he was going to be an absolute stud. Um, and honestly, he, when he got in, he actually played really well, um, like you were saying. Yeah. And then he tore that ACL against Florida. And it's tough. So I was, yeah, I was, was really ugly. Really that. Yeah, another guy I'm pretty high on is A.D. Mitchell. Um, he looked really good in the spring game. Um, once Pickens went down, it looked like he was kind of starting to take over for him. Are you pretty excited about him too? I'm absolutely excited about A.D. And it's, it's, it's a strange thing because it's, you know, right now in this current recruiting class, Cortez Hankton's getting killed by a lot of people in the Georgia fan base about not being able to land the big fish, a receiver, which I don't know if I even really agree with. If you go back to that class with Burton and Rosemary Jackson and Arian Smith and Justin Robinson, he actually recruited all of those guys. So like, I don't understand that whole argument anyway, but he's already shown with 80. Now we have to see it on the field in actual game, but we're seeing all the signs right now of AD Mitchell being one of those three star hidden gems. 
So he's clearly made a great evaluation. A.D. Mitchell, I'm actually hearing some good things about Jackson Meeks as well. He's another uh, more modestly rated guy coming out of last year's class or this year's class. So he's a guy that, yeah, was under-recruited. No one was really talking about him coming into the program, but he came in as an early enrollee and right away was just like making waves and then turning heads. And I was hearing stuff about him like after like week one of spring practice. And I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. Like when you hear about a freshman that early, it's like, okay, yeah, but eventually they're going to hit that freshman wall. And I never heard heard that about him in, in spring camp. And you go and see him, like you mentioned, in G-Day, flashed, man. Made some really good plays. Looked as good as any receivers we had out there. Now, Burton wasn't playing and Aaron Smith wasn't playing, but he looked really, really good. And so I'm waiting, coming into the fall camp. It's like, okay, yeah, that was spring. Like, now we're going to have all the other guys here and Burton's going to be healthy. Rosemary Jackson's back. We're, you know, we're, he's just going to kind of like get lost in the shuffle, but that hasn't happened. Now, again, I haven't seen practice. I haven't been able to go and see any of the scrimmages. I'm not one of the McGill Society people, so I don't, I'm not a high roller, so I don't get to go watch those things all the time. But um, I'm hearing really good things about AD right now, and it doesn't seem like that freshman wall has happened yet. And maybe it happens, you know, we got a couple of weeks here. Maybe he hits it right before the season starts, but I'm expecting him to absolutely be in the rotation and even potentially push to be a starting receiver when we uh, open against Clemson on September 4th. That, I, that might be a little bit of a stretch. You've got Jermaine Burton and Jackson, a couple other guys, but it would not shock me at all to see him out there in the first snap. Yeah, I think he's going to get a lot of playing time, too. Um, I Honestly, after the spring game, I thought he would end up being a starter. But when you guys – you got guys like Kyrus Jackson, Jermaine Burton, um, those guys coming back, uh, Rosemary Jackson, all the him coming back from injury, too, I just don't think he is going to crack the top. But I, I bet we'll see him a lot against Clemson, especially with Darnell Washington being out and uh, without Piggins, too. He'll, he'll be probably like our fourth or fifth man, I would think. Yeah, and I'm interested, too, you bring it up with Darnell being out. you got Darnell's out right now. We've also got John Fitzpatrick, our other tight end. We'll hit, we got basically had three tight ends in the season that we felt really good with. We got Brock Bowers, who's a freshman that's making waves, and he's going to be a stud like right out of the gate. Obviously, Darnell and then Fitzpatrick, who played a lot for us last year, and is a guy the coaches really trust. So right now, it, as of right now, we're down two of those guys. We've got Brock Bowers, the freshman, who can do a lot of things, kind of a hybrid tight end, but I don't know if we really trust him as a blocker as much right now. So we, you saw last year, Todd Munkin really likes a lot of 12 personnel. Those two tight end looks on the field. Are we going to be able to roll with as much 12 personnel if Darnell is not playing and if Fitzpatrick? I think from what I'm hearing, he's going to be cleared to play. It's a foot sprain, but you just don't know. And even if he is able to play, I just don't know if we're going to see as many 12 personnel looks. So I think we're going to see more receivers on the field, actual receivers. And I think you're right. They'll get AD more opportunities than maybe otherwise would have. Yeah, I, I, I get to that too. And, and Tyler, we don't want to take too much of your time, but I just had one more question good, uh, before, yeah. uh, before we let you go. But so – if Lord willing stars align this year, Georgia ends up getting another shot at Alabama. How do you think we would match up against the Crimson Tide this year? This uh, tough. Is it Matt that's the Alabama fan? Matt's the Alabama fan, yeah. Matt's, all right, Matt. So you've had our number, man. Like, I, I got to give it to you. I mean, everyone knows. I mean, Alabama's the, the dynasty program. And I'm curious to get your thought on this, Matt. Um, do you think – this is going to be a vintage Alabama team coming into this season. Do you feel that as an Alabama fan? I, I'm really curious to see what this Alabama team looks like this year because yeah. it, it feels like we're going to revert back to more relying on some defensive wins this year. Uh, eight of 11 returners, starters returning on defense. Um, and then obviously big key players like uh, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, Najee Harris, uh, in the center, Landon Dickerson, he's he's not going to be there anymore. Uh, lost 
another first rounder uh, it, 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 on the offensive line. So, I mean, it, the there's a lot of question marks, I think, with Alabama's offense. What's Bryce Young really going to be? I mean, we saw him play some last year, but is and new coordinator on offense uh, with uh, O'Brien, so Bill O'Brien. So I, I think that there's a lot of things there offensively where there's question marks. Obviously, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to make it seem like poor little old Alabama because the train is probably going to keep rolling. And I think we're going to be fine offensively, but I think it's going to take some time before they really hit a stride. And it's going to feel more like a defensive Alabama team this year than it has the past couple of years. Yeah, that's kind of, I was curious to get your take on it. That's kind of how I feel as a, as an outsider kind of looking in the thousand foot view at Alabama. They're going to be good offensively. Like you said, like we, we know they're going to be good. It's Alabama. They have the players. They have the coaching staff. I mean, I, I, I don't see them falling off the face of the earth. Of course not. It's all relative. I just have a hard time believing they're going to be as dynamic offensively as they have been the past couple of years. When you're working a new quarterback, I'm also looking at the receivers too. I mean, the quarterbacks have been great at Alabama. Don't get me wrong, but the engine, I think the offense has been the engine to that team the past couple of years. And I think the receivers have really been the engine of that offense. The offensive line, they, they're great all over the place. Don't get me wrong. They're great at running back, offensive line, quarterback, all great. But they just had just this run of truly just dirty, nasty, elite receivers. And I don't know that they have that this year. I think Mechie can be a good player. I think he is a good player. I don't know if he can be a number one guy. If he's getting all the attention, can he be that guy? Like Devontae Smith, like Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Wall. Can he be that kind of guy? Maybe. I just have questions there. And then, you know, they got they recruit really well. Jamison Williams coming in from Ohio State as a transfer. Curious to see kind of how he transitions there. But you got Hall coming in as a freshman. There's some good players there. I just don't know if they have that core of receivers right now that makes them as scary offensively as they have been I totally agree with you on defense it's going to be like a almost like a throwback Bama team in a way they're they're still going to be much better offensively than they were in the early Saban years but I think that you're right they're going to be led by this defense but who does that sound like that sounds a lot like the Georgia teams of the past couple of years right where we've been elite defensively and good offensively but not like dynamic and elite we haven't been there so I'm just curious to see how it works out for them. I just, right now, and of course, you know, bias alert here, I'm a Georgia guy, and I want us to beat Bama badly, but I just, I don't know if Bama concerns me as much as they have in years past. I think, I'm not saying if we play Bama, we would absolutely 100% beat them, put your money on it right now, but I think we'd have a better shot of beating them this year than we have in years past. I just, the name of the game has become offense. We've As Georgia fans, we've all seen that. We've been great defensively, haven't been great offensively, been good enough, but not great. That's why we kind of bought, we kind of top out like position fifth in the playoff rings and just barely missing out. So I, I, I just kind of have a feeling that might be kind of the situation Bam is in this year, almost like a transition year for them. So yeah, you know, if there's a year it, that we're going to beat Alabama, I think it's going to be this year to get over that hump. So I'm sorry, Matt. And I, I'm sure I'll, I, I've been, I, I'm sure I'll be wrong because I've been wrong every other time talking about Georgia against <laughs> Alabama. But if there's a year, I think this is going to be it. Look, look, man, I, I actually don't completely disagree with you. And, and, and as someone who lives around a bunch of Georgia fans, every time we play Georgia, I always get really nervous. And every time I, I swear, like, all right, this is going to be the time that we lose, and I'm going to hear about it for centuries because it's, it, it's going to be that time that we get got. But um, I've just got a couple more questions for you, sure, too. Um, because, you know, th- this has been fun. And, and I always like hearing about, you know, you're obviously really knowledgeable about Georgia football. Um, so if, if you were looking at Georgia's schedule today, you know, take Clemson out of it. Who's the one team 
that you're playing on the schedule that kind of make it's not necessarily a you you think you're going to lose, but it feels like a trap game. I'm going to go Kentucky on this one. I mean, Florida. I mean, I, I just can't call Florida a trap game. I mean, we, we circle that game every year. You know, it's in Jacksonville. I think Kentucky could really push Florida to be the second team in the SEC East this year. I'm not. I, I'm still going back and forth on that. We haven't done our official prediction show yet. I'm kind of going back and forth. I haven't quite my, made my mind up there, but I'm seriously giving it a lot of consideration. Kentucky has been really good defensively. I think Mark Stoops is honestly, just in terms of like a true pure football coach, as good of a coach as there is in the SEC with what he has to work with and what he's done that Kentucky program. I mean, 2018, and we played them, and that was all that was pretty much for the SEC East that game after we beat in Florida in 2018. So. This is a program that has been really good defensively, but it's just been a train wreck offensively. They've been able to run the ball really well. They've been explosive on the ground, but they've had, they don't know how to throw the ball forward at all. The forward pass is just an abstract concept to them. So they fire Eddie Grand. They bring in uh, Liam Cohen from the NFL, who's a Sean McVay guy in the Rams. So it's the first time you're going to see like the Sean McVay ish type offense in the SEC. I'm really curious about that. They bring in, bring in Will Levis from Penn State as a transfer quarterback who, didn't like he wasn't a dynamic passer at Penn State. He was more of a he was used as more of a runner there, and he couldn't beat out Sean Clifford, who hasn't been great. So you wonder how good is he going to be? But he beats out Joey Gatewood. Gatewood transferring to UCF. I think at the very least, Levis is going to give them more of a passing attack than they've had before. You got Wendell Robinson coming as a transfer from Nebraska, who's a dynamic playmaker at wide receiver. I and you also throw in Chris Rodriguez, little Benny. He's as good as running back outside of outside of maybe Tank. That, uh, that the SEC has right now coming back this year. I think that's a team to really watch out for. They're always going to play good defense under Stoops. I'm glad we have this game at home because we played, there's been some, we've had some close games with Kentucky and Lexington. So I'm glad this game's at home. We're better than Kentucky. We absolutely should not lose Kentucky, but it, it's kind of that strange spot right there before the bye week heading to Jacksonville, coming out off the Auburn games. So you just, that's a game you just got to be ready for because that team's, I mean, we're going to get everyone's best shot, especially a team like Kentucky. And I think they might be more dynamic offensive than they have been in the past. So just a, just a game to just keep in your back pocket and watch out for. Yeah, that's, that's Kentucky has been one of those like sneaky fun teams. I guess they're not really sneaky anymore the past couple of years because they've been pretty consistently being a, a, a decent team. But it, I don't know. It's still, whenever you think of Kentucky, you think basketball school. So it's it's always interesting to see them playing some good defensive football. And and I would love to see them actually really compete for an SEC East championship with a with a good offense too. Because I think they would be a, a, they've got a dynamic team if they could add that one element to them. Yep, totally agree. And last last question for me. Uh, I I know we're a we're a sports podcast, but we're also a food podcast. Uh, you've got three spots that you can eat in Athens. All right, and and as someone who's very rarely gone to Athens, give me your top three to go places in Athens. I'm an Athens guy. I actually live in Athens. So, um, look, I'm not a um, – people are going to hate me for these answers. I'm like, what? I'm not like one of those like um, – I'm not a, a foodie necessarily. I don't like the upscale restaurants. I'm like a, I'm like a bar food kind of guy. So just some context there. Blind Pig's my spot. Love the blind pig. Um, is the food the best in the world? Probably not. Cheese fries, though. Let's go. A little extra cheese on there. I love those people. I've been going there for game days since I graduated college. We're going 15 years now. So that's probably my number one spot. Um, I like Amici's, um, which is just uh, across the street from All Good, which is another spot I really like. All Good doesn't have any food, but uh, Amici's just dirty bar food. Best wings in town, in my opinion. So if you're looking for some wings, I like the double hot and honey. 
Um, I, I have a crazy order. They know my order by name. It's like I get it's crazy. I I I run a lot. I do like marathons, half marathons. So I got a carb load there. So I get uh get my double hot honey wings. I get a pepperoni and feta calzone and two slices of pepperoni and feta. So that's my order there. Third place. Hmm. All right, I'm gonna go trapeze. That's kind of in the middle there. It's not like too upscale, but it's not like stray bar food. So yeah, I like trapeze. They got a, a really nice bar. They renovated in the past year or so. It's really nice in there now. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, Wit. I don't know if you've got any more for him, but I just want to say thanks for coming on uh, and doing this with us. It, it, it's been a blast. Uh, maybe we can get together in the middle of the season and see how everybody's doing and uh, and, and see what see what we're thinking then. Absolutely, guys. Sounds good. Really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, Todd, thanks for coming on, man. We'll let you get to your uh, tennis lesson. Oh, yeah, you got tennis today. Right? Let's go. Over there. <laughs> Gotta get better. Gotta get better every day. <laughs> See there you, guys. Man. Man, we appreciate it. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into our pouring one out, cut them off. Matt, who are you pouring one out for? So this week, I'm actually pouring, out, pouring one out for Little League Baseball. Uh, the Little League World Series has been going on for about, the, I guess, the past week. Um, it's always one of the most fun things to watch for me because it's, it's just pure joy that you see out on the field and like raw emotion of these 11 and 12 year olds. Occasionally you get the 13 year old that, that their whole life up to this point, this is the coolest experience they've ever had. Um, and, and like you always have the, the random coaches that are mic'd up that know they're mic'd up that they always yell at the kids and like tell them what pieces of crap they are. And then they're like, you know, have that somber moment where they've lost in the Little League World Series and they're like, you guys are going to go on and do great things in life. And it's, it's, I don't know. It's really cool. You see the families. It's a really cool experience. I'd love to go to Williamsport one year just to check it out because it's always been uh, an event that I've enjoyed. And, uh, this week I am cutting off, uh, preseason football and I'm cutting it off. Not because it's not been enjoyable to watch. I've, I have thoroughly enjoyed watching preseason NFL football, but I'm cutting it off because so far, the Jacksonville Jaguars have been abysmal. And then today, Travis Etienne is out for the year. First round draft pick, Travis Etienne, is done for the year. There is no offensive line. There, the two returning guards for Jacksonville's O-line, both are out with injuries. Etienne's done for the year. Trevor Lawrence is probably going to get killed by the end of the year. Preseason football, I was so excited for it, and all of a sudden, it has killed my hopes and dreams. So for that alone, preseason football, you're being cut off. Wit, who are you pouring one out for this week? I'm actually going to start with my cutting one off as well. It kind of ties along with what you're talking about a little bit. I'm not cutting off NFL preseason, but I'm going to cut off the Week 0 schedule this Saturday. As excited as I am for college football, and man, I'm excited. I, the schedule is just so... It's just not much to watch. Like I'm gonna have fun, and I'm, I'm glad I'm going to the Nebraska Illinois game because it, it'll be more fun than sitting around and watching all these games. But there's just not much to work with. Like I know Hawaii UCLA is gonna be a fun game, but besides that, I mean, it's all like MAC teams and some couple FCS teams, and and I'm all for football being back. But it would be nice if they would just do one or two bigger games in that first week zero. It'd be cool. Like, even if it's not, it doesn't have to be Georgia Clemson. It doesn't have to be Alabama, Miami, but just like one game to get your attention. So you're like, here we go. Football's back week zero. Let's, this is the week zero matchup of the week. College game day goes, it's the whole thing. So you're getting the first real college game day. It's not like a, Oh, college game day from 
uh, nowhere Indiana. Like, like no one. I don't even know where they're going this week, but I know they're going to Charlotte next week for Georgia Clemson. Why don't they so do the cool. Chick Fil A kickoff for the first kickoff? That'd be yeah. Fun well, that's and that's what I was gonna say too. Like, why not move that Monday game for uh, Louisville, Ole Miss, or or even Alabama, Miami, whatever, to that to the week before, and then you get that's that is that's I mean. The whole point of having that game on a Monday is it's kind of on its own. So it doesn't really have a lot to compete with. So if you put that game the week before and put it up against Nebraska, Illinois and Hawaii, UCLA, it's still the big game of the week. Even if it is Louisville, Ole Miss, that's still a huge, I would rather watch that game than any game that's going on next week. So uh, I'm, I'm just cutting it off. I mean, you know, I'm excited for football. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer over here, but week zero schedule, come on. It, it, it'd be nice to see some better matchups for sure. You're completely right. Ole Miss Louisville is a perfect week zero game. It's big enough brands to get you excited that football is back, but it's not a top 10 or 15 matchup. Exactly. Yeah. Just like a, like a, even if it's top, it doesn't have to be a top 25 matchup. It's just two bigger brands. Um, that aren't, this isn't, you know, playing for a playoff spot or anything. It's just a good game to sit down and watch and it, it, it catches your attention. And it's somewhere you actually care about watching college game day go to. So, but that's, that's what I'm cutting off this week. And I am pouring one out for karaoke. I went to karaoke on Saturday. This has become my new tradition in Nashville. Cool. I know it completely off topic from sports. I know we're talking about college football, but listen, I sang five songs at karaoke on Saturday. I was there for... Probably about four hours uh, with a group of people. Was this at Wannabe's? Yeah, this is at Wannabe's connected to Tequila Cowboy. You know, this is these are my this is my go to because uh, a lot of people in Nashville like to go to like the Jason Aldeans, like to go to the Dirks Bentleys. I'm like, no, I don't want to go somewhere. I have to wait in line for an hour and a half to get into a bar, to wait in line for an hour and a half to get a drink, to wait in line for an hour and a half to find my friends. I want to go into the bar with no line. That's two bars connected. There's plenty of room to hang out. You got one bar with live music. You got one bar with karaoke. I'm always down to go for a karaoke song or two, get my head real big for the night, see what happens. So we we go we go over to we go over to one of these. We're hanging out. As soon as I walk in, I see a, a friend in there. He's next up. So I jump on stage with him. Probably about two two or three songs later, a buddy another buddy of mine was like, "Hey, I'm about to sing Sweet Home Alabama. Hop on with me." I was like, "All right, I hop on." And then um, one of the one of the guys we were hanging out with actually he he plays for the Predators. I'm not going to say his name because he gets. He doesn't really like being getting all the publicity. So, uh, but he he came on and was like, "Hey, dude, I, I really want to sing Drops of Jupiter. I've sang it in two different countries, and I want to add a third. I was like, "All right, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's do it." And we got up there, and he was he was nervous as hell too. It, it was crazy, but we got up there and we killed it. And we had all these girls like screaming at us. And we had our friends were like going absolutely ballistic. And we came up the came up the stage. He looks at me, and goes, "I've played in in NHL hockey games before." And that is the most excited I've ever been in my entire life. It's like, this is the best I've ever felt about myself. I'm like, this is, that is the great thing about karaoke. So pour one out for karaoke. Hope you guys can come up sometime and experience it with me. Cause it, it is just a blast. Keys, you pour one out for. I'll do a slight pour one out for you. Whenever you do karaoke, when I go out there, it's ridiculous. He, he owns it. Uh, I'm going to be pouring one out for football season. I guess it'll be the last time anybody on here pours one out for football season until next year. I'm just really excited. Been watching lots of preseason. Been getting hyped up for uh, for for college football. Doing doing some research, even though I don't do much of the analysts on here. And I'm cutting off fantasy drafting before the end of preseason. It's always a bad idea. I don't know why everybody does it so early. Just like Matt said earlier, you got Travis Etienne's going down today. You get 
players that come in there thinking they're going to be great players and they face the NFL for the first time and they just get knocked off their, their rocker. And we got Justin Fields over here saying, you know, he thinks the NFL is a little slower than, than he thought it would be. And then he gets rocked the next game. And, you know, you, you just never know what's going to happen uh, for these players. So, you know, if you're doing your fantasy draft, wait till, wait till the last week of, of preseason. Don't, don't get yourself a guy that's already injured or, or, or someone who's not going to show out. I'll tell you who, who's been looking good though. And, and I saw a couple of plays of, uh, John Hurst, he had that awesome toe drag play. I've been talking yeah, about yeah, with him ever since good. we had him on the toe pod. Toe drag swag, baby. Toe drag swag. So hopefully, hopefully we'll get to see uh, our boy John Hurst do some work in some games this year. Yeah, that'd be really cool. He he has looked good in the preseason, and uh, I, I definitely hope he he uh, kills it. Well, hey, guess what, guys? This is the first week we actually have college football games to pick to end the show. So let's go ahead and jump into a couple of those. We got two from week zero, and then we got four we're going to go ahead and pick for week one. Um, these games are on Thursday and Friday for week one. Uh, we'll go ahead and get to the week zero picks, though. The first game is Nebraska at Illinois. This is the one I'll be going to. Nebraska is favored by seven. Uh, Matt, who are you picking? I think I'm actually going to go with Illinois here. Um, I, I think Nebraska, they've got a lot of – Things going around with their football program currently that has been coming to light. Uh, Scott Frost has been illegally using some assistants or analysts, whatever uh, the the case is. I haven't looked into a ton of it, um, but Nebraska is is a is a wounded a wounded lion in in a lot of ways because they are one of the top brands in college football. They have been. One of the top brands in college football for a really long time. They're a former powerhouse. They're a blue blood in the sport. There's nothing else in Nebraska to do but watch football. Uh, but I think Brett Bilema is gonna is gonna turn around the the fight in the line. I think that they're gonna play that old school traditional like in your face big offensive line, good running game style of football and and, and hard nosed defense. And I actually think that Illinois is going to. I guess it's not really a huge upset, but I, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna beat Nebraska in Week One, um, with with everything that's going on in that in that Nebraska program. Who do you have? Yeah, so Matt, I actually I've talked to a couple of people about what all's going on with Nebraska, just because now that I'm going up there, I have a I have a uh, cheering interest in Nebraska for the weekend. So um, this whole the whole analyst thing is is it's it's kind of odd. It's actually a rule that. It's a lot like some other rules in college football where it's something that a lot of schools do, but it's something that not a lot of people get caught for kind of deal. It's kind of swept under the rug a lot. But uh, so it's 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 something that they're – I don't think they're as worried about it as some people are. I really think it was more of a headline just for people to throw out there because there's not there wasn't a lot to talk about at the time. Um, but I think that – because of Adrian Martinez coming back, I think he might finally take that next step and be the athlete of a quarterback that he was meant to be. I mean, his freshman year, he was really, really good. I think he won Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Um, he's got all kinds of athleticism. He just really struggles with decision-making and accuracy. Um, and if Scott Frost can finally get through to him and get him to play the way he should be, uh, kind of like how he did with McKenzie Milton at UCF, I think that They'll finally take that next step and, and start to look like the Nebraska that they should be. I don't. I, I'm not predicting them to win, you know, eight eight or nine games this year or anything like that. But I do think they take a step forward this season for sure. So I'm going to take Nebraska and uh, with the points as well. I think they win by about ten. 
But moving on to our next game and our final game of week zero that we're going to pick. Uh, this one's Hawaii at UCLA. UCLA is an 18-point favorite. Matt, who you got? I'm actually going to go with UCLA in this one. Uh, I kind of alluded to this earlier in, uh, a minute ago whenever we were talking about Chip Kelly. I think Chip Kelly is not on the hot seat per se, but I feel like he is in an uncomfortable position coming into this year. And he's got to show that, that his program is taking some strides forward uh, because they, they've, been, they've been pretty bad the past couple of years. And, and UCLA has a lot of money. I wouldn't say that they're like a, a blue blood program, but they are a program that, that wants to do well in athletics. Uh, so I, I really think that Chip Kelly has that going for him. And, and I think that he's finally going to have some of his recruits that are developed. We're going to see how good of a coach Chip Kelly really is this year. I think he's going to be all right. It's Hawaii. I don't think Hawaii is going to have the athletes that are going to be able to match up for, against UCLA for for four quarters. So I'm going to go UCLA, and I, 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 I'm going to say that they, they don't cover. It's 17 is what I'm going to give UCLA. Yep, that's a good pick. Um, I, I'm kind of with you. I'm actually going to take UCLA with the points, but I do think it's going to be close. It's going to be about a 20-point game. And honestly, I think what it comes down to is this game is at 2.30 p.m. Central Time, so 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. This is not a late-night game. If this was a 10 p.m. game, Hawaii wins hands down. Hawaii does not lose late-night games that nobody watches ever. They're, they're the team to beat after 9 o'clock for sure. So I'm, I'm going to take UCLA. I think uh, DTR takes a step forward this year. Um, Chip Kelly is going to help him out a little bit. I've heard rumors that they are going to be a contender. Um, in the side of the conference with the South against USC and against Utah and those kind of teams. But um, I don't really see it happening, but I do think they take down Hawaii for sure. And with that, we'll move to our week one picks. Uh, like I said, these are the Thursday-Friday games, uh, or the key Thursday-Friday games at least. Um, and the first one's on Thursday. This is Boise State at UCF, one of the larger group of five matchups of the week. Uh, UCF is a five-and-a-half point favorite. This is Gus Malzahn's first game with the team. Matt, who you got? See, this is actually a really – I think this is a pretty compelling matchup if you're a college football fan. If you're not a college football fan, neither of these brands are really going to excite you and get you to watch. Um, I'm excited for it, and I'm excited for it because I think UCF is going to be a really interesting player to watch down there in the AAC this year. Um, I think I'm actually going to go with UCF, and I think they're going to cover um, – I think Dylan Gabriel being there at UCF this year and Gus Malzahn having a good quarterback could be really, really scary. Uh, I mean, we saw what Gus Malzahn's offense was able to do with with Nick Marshall and the SEC, and I think having a guy like Dylan Gabriel, who I think is a, a, a top five raw, talented quarterback in, in college football, I, I think Gus Malzahn's offense could do some do some serious damage. Boise State's kind of that train that keeps rolling as a group of five. They're always going to be in the conversation as a, a one of the top three group of five teams, I feel like, year in, year out. But them losing Brian Harson and trying to bring in a new guy and, and continue to have the same success, I don't know that they're going to be able to do that. So I'm going to take UCF, and I think UCF's going to win by 7 to 10. See, so guys, this is the year to watch group of five football, especially these kind of games, because this year is a tryout. This is a tryout for the Pac-12, the ACC, um, the Big 12, if they end up getting their feeding bag, which I don't really think they will. But these teams, 
teams like UCF and Boise State especially, these are programs that have been really good for a long time in the group of five that are about ready to take that next step. And they compete well with Power 5 teams too. So the the bigger Power 5 conferences are going to be watching these teams this year, especially with how uh, everything's expanding. I mean, the Pac-12 just said this week that by the end of the week, they're going to decide on what teams they're going to be, if they're going to be expanding or if they're going to be keeping the same uh, 12 teams that they have right now, um, which I think there's a good chance they're going to be expanding. So, um, But looking at this game specifically – UCF just has a better roster. Gus Malzahn, I think, is a better coach than Boise State's new guy. Um, you're right, Dylan Gabriel. I think Dylan Gabriel has a argument to be the best quarterback in college football. I think if you stick him on a team like swap him and Sam Howell or swap him and Bryce Young or him and JT Daniels or him and Spitzer Rattler too, I think he's better than those guys. Um, maybe not Sam Howell as much. I'm pretty high on Sam Howell. But he's a he's a really really good player, um, and not, I've been watching him since his freshman year. He's he's been really good. He's improved every single year. Um, I'm not sure if he totally fits Malzahn's system, but if Malzahn is, it won't be the hard headed man that he was at Auburn and just try and go with like that read option kind of offense that he had going and, and lets Dylan Gabriel just sling the ball like like Heupel did. I, I think UCF blows the doors off Boise State. I think. I think it's close in the first half, but then in the second half, UCF really starts to pound the ball, and um, I think they end up winning by at least two touchdowns, maybe even three. So I got UCF with the points. And going to our first Big Ten game of week one, uh, this is Ohio State at Minnesota. Ohio State is a 13.5 point favorite. Matt, who are you picking? This game has all the feelings of like Ohio State-Indiana from a couple of years ago, or any of those big matchups on that first Thursday, Friday of college of the week of college football where Ohio state's going to come out. They might look a little sloppy. They might play a little sluggish. It's at Minnesota. There's going to be a lot of energy there. You're going to have PJ Fleck is going to have his guys motivated to play. It doesn't take much to get motivated to play, you know, one of the top two teams in the country uh, in some polls. I mean, you're, you're playing a, a top five team, at your place, first game of the year. I think Minnesota is going to come out, and they're going to come out slugging. I think they're going to. It's going to be like a twenty-one, twenty-one game at the halftime, and then talent's going to take over in the second half. I do think Ohio State wins this game, and I think they take over in the second half, and they win by uh, with the points. Give me the points. I'll, I'll say they win by fourteen to twenty-one. It's it's going to be one of those ugly, but ugly at first. But Ohio State is going to be Ohio State at the end of the day. I totally agree with you, Matt. That's exactly what I was thinking. I think this is a game where you have a new guy in TJ Stroud. I think he comes out and maybe throws a pick or two in the first half. And Minnesota go, comes out to like a two-touchdown lead or like a 17-point lead. And you're like, what in the world is going on? Like, what what Ohio State team are we watching right now? And then uh, and then Ohio State, TJ Stroud is going to figure it out. And Ryan Day is going to get to him at halftime and be like, dude, it's Minnesota, man. Just go and blow him up. Like, you, this, this, this is not a good defense. Um, so I, I think he'll... Step up in the second half, and they'll they'll really start to move the ball around. We'll get to guys like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, um, and they got a lot of new pieces on that offense as well. Um, it's probably one of the best offensive lines in the country. I think Ohio State's going to have a really good team this year, and I think after that first half of Minnesota, they're going to show it. So I'm I got Ohio State probably around twenty to twenty four point win. So I'm going to take the points for sure. Um, and for our next game, this is our first ACC game. 
of the year. This is North Carolina at Virginia Tech. North Carolina is a five and a half point favorite. Um, and they come in as a top 10 team um, against Virginia Tech, who is not ranked this year to start the season. So, uh, Matt, who are you taking? This is another one of those interesting games where it's like these are two pretty big brands in the ACC. Uh, traditionally, Virginia Tech's been a top 25 program. Uh, recently, not so much. Uh, North Carolina coming out of nowhere. Mac Brown, Sam Howell. They lost a couple of pieces last year. Uh, I think this is a good test for them early. At Virginia Tech in Blacksburg is never an easy place to play. Uh, so I think this is going to be a good test for how good they really are. And North Carolina for the first time and probably any time that I can remember since I've been watching college football, North, North Carolina is coming into a college football season, not basketball season, with expectations. And sometimes that can get to a team. I don't think that 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 Virginia Tech is going to be able to pull it off because I think Sam Howell is going to be the difference maker in this game. Uh, I think it's going to be. I think five and a half is a good spread here. I think North Carolina wins this game by a touchdown. Uh, but look, uh, look for Virginia Tech to keep it close just because of the that home environment that they're playing in. Matt, we've been uh, we've been neck and neck on these man pretty much since the Illinois game. I mean, I'm with you. I think North Carolina kind of has a little trap game here. Virginia Tech at night. Uh, on a Friday, first week of the season. Um, and this is a year that Justin Fuente really needs Virginia Tech to step up and do well, too. So you know he's he's putting his extra effort in all offseason to come out and win this game. Because this game could end up saving his job. Because this is a top-10 team, and I couldn't tell you the last time Virginia Tech beat a top-10 team. So um, I think they keep it close. I'm with Matt. I think it's going to be close all the way to the end. Um, I'm going to say North Carolina – with the points, I think it's probably a six or seven point win. I'm with Matt on that. Um, I do think they squeak it out. I think it's going to drop them a little bit in the rankings come to next week. Um, they, people are going to be like, oh, no, North Carolina, they're not They're not what we thought they are going to be. And then I think they'll kind of turn around after that. Um, but I do think this is a big scare for them for sure. We'll move into another Big Ten game. This is Michigan State, who has kind of taken a step back from where they were back in 2015, 2017. And they're taking on... The Big Ten West champ from last year, Northwestern. Um, Northwestern is a three-point favorite and the home team. I'm kind of surprised by the line, but Matt, who are you taking? So uh, this is a this is a toss-up game to me. I think I can see this game going one of two ways. I can see Northwestern's defense kind of taking over and setting the tone early and often, uh, and and them kind of controlling Michigan State for a majority of the game and and, and holding on to win. Uh, but I also am really intrigued by Michigan State this year. Mel Tucker in year two, what what's that program going to look like? I think Mel Tucker's a pretty good coach. Um, I, I'm going to go Michigan State here in a road that gets a road win, first game of the year. I know that they've been kind of it's kind of taken a step back, especially in the past couple of years. But I, I just feel like Michigan State's one of those teams that they've been on the verge of of either completely crap in the bed or they're they're eventually they're gonna have to steady the water i think this is gonna be that year where they steady the water they get things back on track and it starts off with a with a big win over northwestern which normally you wouldn't say that's a big win but i think this is gonna be a really good northwestern team this year and and they uh pat fitzgerald does a really good job with that program keeping good defensive players year in year out uh i think northwestern is a is is going to be the same team they were last year they're going to play really good defense and they're going to take offense where they can get it and i think michigan state's going to kind of mirror that a little bit but i think michigan state's going to going to squeak one out here on the road 
Wow, yeah. I I completely disagree with you here, though. I think Northwestern is the better team for sure. I, I think Michigan State is getting there to where they're going to be competitive again. I do think Mel Tucker is a good coach, um, but I don't think he is going to be able to keep up with Northwestern. And I don't think he's going to be able to score on them is the main thing. Um, they got Hunter Johnson starting this year. He was a five-star number one quarterback uh, going to Clemson in 2000. 15 before Trevor Lawrence got there and kind of took the whole the whole program over um so I I think we'll see him kind of step up he'll be a good player for him um that defense is still going to be so dang good um I do think it's gonna be a close game just because neither one of these teams have a ton of offense but I think Northwestern wins by at least a touchdown so I'm gonna take Northwestern for sure so I know that y'all aren't really in tune with the Alabama Twitter world but last so last week there's a big Alabama a guy on Alabama Twitter. He's he's been Twitter famous for a while now. His name's Hunter Johnson, and uh, so somebody tweeted something about him being like the the Northwestern quarterback and tagged him in it, and like he just kind of went with it. And if any if you've ever fought, like seen anything that he's ever tweeted, he, he's like a funny guy, kind of like an internet troll sort of guy, but. Like, he just played into it, like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely the quarterback for Northwestern. And he ended up getting his Twitter suspended because he was impersonating someone else. And it was, like, oh my gosh. one of the most stupid Twitter things ever. But he ended up having to, like, get create a burner account and was like, uh, my account is now gone forever. <laughs> that, is, that is absolutely crazy. I mean, I saw um, the guy who tweeted out, did y'all see the, the tweet about, the Georgia and Clemson game, they 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 were. Somebody tweeted out that they were both going to wear colors, like the their yeah, home colors. That. Yeah, they were going to do like a college football color rush kind of thing, and it was completely untrue. Like the guy that said that j- just said that just to just to say it. Just to, he said it was a it was a Twitter what was the word? It was a Twitter experiment to see how big it could get and how many people could uh, how many times it would get shared and stuff like that. And it blew up. So people were lighting him up when he came out and said, no, this is not real. He's like, I, I had this Twitter account to put out cool uniform edits and stuff. Like, I don't know, like I'm not, not even that many people follow me. I don't even know how this got out. Like it it is, it was crazy, but people were, people were really hating on him. Um, It's amazing what social media do for some of these people. Yeah. So on his new burner account, it says in his bio, not the Northwestern quarterback in his location <laughs> is not Chicago. <laughs> that is so funny. But he's he's already back up to over 3000 followers. I, I want to say that he was probably around the 10,000 follower mark whenever his, his account got banned. Like he's he's really well known. He I don't know what he does for a career, but this man is literally at every Alabama sporting event ever. Like you name it. SEC championships, he'll be at the Chick Fil A kickoff, I'm sure. But SEC championships, uh, national championships, playoff games, like basketball games, he's at all of them. And I'm like, what do you do that you're able to just get to every single game? And but it's it's really he's a, he's a funny guy on Twitter. So I was I I thought it was really humorous that like we live in a world where this has been his like brand on Twitter forever is like, oh yeah, I'm going to make fun of this, this incident or whatever that someone tags him to be the Northwestern quarterback and he, and he gets banned for playing along with it. That's just, such, it's, that's humorous to me. 
Well, guys, that's our show. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Please give us a follow on Instagram at Around the Keg and on Twitter at Around the Keg Pod. Send us any questions or topics you want us to discuss on the show, and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. And please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. We'd love hearing the criticism you guys have for us. Let us know anything you like on the show. We, we love our five-star ratings, so please let us know. Our Artist of the Week is Awake at Last. Give them a follow on social media and check out their music on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you stream. Here's their song, Let Go, to play us out. Have a great week. Life and death.